0: Welcome to the Ranking Things Podcast, the production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Please visit jasondavisvoice.com for information about voiceover services for commercials, internet and corporate videos, e-learning, phone messages, and more. I'm Jason Davis. And I'm Eric Wright. Each episode, we're going to choose a topic to rank, give our choices for our top five, and then defend those choices. It's the podcast where you can be a part of the conversation. Please let us know what you think. Email us, rankingpodcast at yahoo.com. Or tweet at Jason Davis Voice. Well, Eric, today we are going to discuss the top five toys from our childhood. Yes, toys that we grew up with. Yeah, and this is going to be an interesting podcast for people listening probably because depending on how old you are, your answer is going to be very different. We've discussed in past podcasts our age difference. It's only a few years, but I'm curious to see if we grew up with some of the same toys or not. That'll be interesting.
1: I had friends who had money, so they had toys that I didn't. OK. Economics may play into this, too. With any of these lists, I always have to kind of impose some rules on myself. OK. I had to make sure first, no games, no sports things like I had a basketball growing up. OK. That I, I had for years and I played with it all the time in my backyard. I even like drew eyes on it and did the whole thing. I didn't name it Wilson, but <laughs> I was just gonna say. it was still. But that's a sports thing. Yo, equipment. So I'm not counting that either. Okay. So with that, what's your number five toy? My number five toy was Lincoln Logs. Okay. I had it back in the day where there weren't all the plastic accoutrements like my kids did when they were uh, small. Mm -hmm. They had all kinds of plastic doors and windows, and then they would have little plastic canoes and cowboys and all this other stuff. Mine was just... The Lincoln Logs Uh and a couple like plastic roof pieces and, and that was it. I think it's very cool that both you and your kids played with Lincoln Logs. Oh, yeah. And actually, we have a fair amount of toys, you know, in common. Yeah, I mean, Lincoln Logs, I remember building a cabin and then learning how to make projectiles, which will be a common theme as we talk
0: about other toys. You are an architect. Were Lincoln Logs the precursor to you becoming an architect by any chance?
1: No, maybe, because there were, I think, a lot of things. I was either going to be an architect or a stuntman when we we look at our toys and how we played with them. Oh, interesting. Interesting. It it was weird. Yeah. The other thing was going to be eye doctor, but that never worked out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, so that's
0: okay. my number five. What was your number five? Number five for me was the Six Million Dollar Man action figure.
1: Is that the one that you could look through the back of his head Indeed. and he had
0: an eye? You look through the hole in the back of the head for the bionic eye. The skin rolled up on the arm and legs to reveal the bionic chips underneath and the chips came out, well, which that was pretty was cool. Yeah. Six Million Dollar Man was a big show for me back then. It was on the air from March of 73 to March of 78. And I probably came in somewhere in the middle of that, is my guess, because I was pretty young when it first debuted. But then it was probably right up my alley after that. And I have very distinct memories of the show, too. Did you watch Six Million Dollar Man when you were a kid or no? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. And it was a big thing to talk about the next day in school. Oh, totally. My specific memories of the show itself that stand out, Andre the Giant as Sasquatch and then there was a, a few episodes that were um, centered around fembots, where they fem-bot? were like, yeah, there was like a, some sort of an evil scientist that created fembots to yeah. uh, get into OSI, which was the organization that Steve Austin worked for. Okay. They made a fembot of Oscar Goldman's secretary. <laughs> oh my God. and And the way that they revealed that it was a fembot, yeah. her face came off and underneath cool. her face was like yeah. all this like... Uh, Sort, sort of and circuitry stuff? and shit yeah and did they I, have like golf balls for the eyes yeah it was really weird it was like <laughs> really and i remember as a kid being f- totally freaked out by that <laughs> it might have given me nightmares even
1: sure so the yeah oh, so i that, can see that
0: so that's a big uh a big memory of that show for me <laughs> it's really oh.
1: weird well it sounds pretty different than like the austin powers those fembots
0: right they were sort of designed to be like sexy and to and to seduce yeah. him but the fembots were totally evil in on six million dollar man and then of course was the six million dollar man spinoff the bionic woman january 76 to may of 78 with Lindsay wagner and i remember definitely having a crush on Lindsay wagner as a kid
1: oh yeah 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 she and one of the bra models on the sears catalog were like my <laughs> first loves <laughs> All right, w'e ready to go to four. Yes, we are. Go ahead. All right, so my number four was the Kenner SSP Dragster with the T stick. Okay, what that was.
0: You look a little perplexed. Okay, I'm wondering if this is if that's the thing where uh, it had the little um, I don't know what to call it, but it had the teeth on it, and you put it in and you pulled it. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes.
1: And the commercials were awesome because okay. you know the commercials were like yeah, you hear that? Yeah, I hear that. And you know the voiceover guy is like, "That's right. You're a dragster. You can crank it. You can crash it. and all this. Yeah. oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I can crash it into walls and stuff. This is great. So, you know, I got one. I was uh, raised on a street with a bunch of other kids at different mm-hmm. ages, but a lot of us got those at Christmas time, and, you know we were going to each other's basements playing with them. and they they were fine but then when the weather got nice and we went outside uh-huh. and we started like really putting these things to the test right. we just beat the sh- snot out of these things <laughs> you can say shit <laughs> I, it's okay yes, we are smashing against walls yeah. and you know we were trying to make the go down ramps and things and all that Uh, yeah they didn't last the whole
0: summer that was part of a really good summer (laughs) i'm pretty sure i i may have had at least one of those toys if it wasn't the dragster Uh they i know that they had other vehicles too i think they had a motorcycle too yeah if i didn't have one of those i definitely had friends that did and i remember playing with them and and really they were a lot of fun too oh yeah and this the noise they made was just it was just The yep Absolutely. nice. All right. All right. Number four for me is Mattel Electronics Football. The handheld thing? Yep, little handheld thing. With the little red lines. Yep, the little blips. Very, very... Basic. Basic. (laughs) But let me tell you something. Every kid had one of these games. It was either that or basketball, baseball, and then the very first one was auto race. And I had auto race too, and I forgot about that. I did have that football one. And I just remember when playing it, that
1: there was a ticking sound. Yes. Yep. Basically, you're just one player. Right. You're sort of like a running back. Exactly. And then there were six other blips in front of you. Right. You just had to sit there and wait uh-huh. for like a lane to open. That's up. That's right. And then you just you fingered up and
0: across. That's right. And then you go, and then you had to wait. <laughs> yep. For them to move again. Mm-hmm. The cool thing is that before video games were really the thing, this is what you had, right? Yeah. They first came out in June of 1977. I did a little research on these, okay. and they were sold through Sears. At first, Sears didn't think that they were going to be a big seller, so they kind of did a limited run. They stopped making them. And then within six months, they became so popular with kids... That they ended up selling as many as five hundred thousand units a week by, fe- by February of nineteen seventy-eight. Now, at that time, I'm sure there were video games were available, but obviously handheld games, electronics, mm-hmm. were um, you know, became much bigger later with like the Game Boy from Nintendo and stuff like that. Right, right. But these things were great. And, you know, you're talking about how you were just this blip that could run and you had a yeah. dodge. And then eventually they made football too, where you could actually pass too, which was pretty cool. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: that's right. You know how they have catalogs that, that they usually send around Christmas time, before Christmas, mm-hmm. and it's all kinds of real cool, either retro stuff, or just, you know, oh, yeah. kind of like, left of center stuff. Oh, sure. One of the catalogs had a version of this Mattel Electronics game, and when I saw it, I was like, oh my god, I remember that, I had that one as a kid, it was the greatest <laughs> thing ever, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Of course, my wife is so fucking cool. She yes. bought me one for Christmas. It brings me right back when I played. it. Well, that definitely sounds a 70s-ish no kind doubt. of toy.
1: <laughs> no doubt. Which I think is really where we are. We're, we're talking 70s. Yeah. Number three. What was number three for you? For me, Rock'em Sock'em Robots.
0: Oh, yeah. Do you remember yeah. those? I do. I don't That's know really if I good. had them, but I, I know I played them. They were awesome.
1: I got mine a while after all my friends did. Mm-hmm. It was just me and I have a younger sister. And when I got it, we're playing with it. You know, it's nice and mild. We're not overly jostling the whole thing around. Mm-hmm. You hit the chin, the thing, the head goes up. Oh, yep. that's great. It was yeah, <laughs> really fun. Well, once then I get with my friends, <laughs> then it's a whole different thing because now – you're just kind of like smashing the thing (laughs) back and forth at each other. It's like, you're not even trying to like, you know, move back and forth. You're not dodging. You're not no. punching or anything. It's on. And before you know, it's like it's off the table, and you're just both just pushing at it back and forth. And it's whoever can just make the most noise and ruckus, and then finally, you know, their head goes flying off.
0: That's awesome.
1: Those didn't last all that long either. Once you got a couple boys together, on. yeah,
0: exactly. It probably lost its thrill after the first couple of bouts, right?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And sometimes it did lead to actual fights. But, you know, <laughs> You know, the friends, because it's like, no, you shouldn't have won. That was a great toy.
0: So number three for me, you and other people might give me a little shit for this. My number three is I just put video game console. Now, the reason I kind of made it broad is because I wanted to talk about the history of video games for me growing up. Right. Sure. So the first console I had was probably the first one most kids in our age demographic had. And that was Pong. Right, the Atari. Well, no, Pong, specifically a Pong console. It wasn't Atari at that time. It was literally a console. The only thing that it played was Pong. There were no cartridges. It was a Pong (laughs) console. And that was originally released in November of 1972. I didn't get it until a few years later. I was probably seven or eight when I got it. So figure 76, 77. And I remember being so blown away that I am playing a game on my television yes. my best friend had that
1: and yeah it, it was just amazing that yeah. how is my television
0: i'm interacting with my tv this is crazy the way i move yeah and then there were variations where you could push a button on the controller and when the ball you know came to your paddle you could hold the ball for right. a second and then it, redirect it or something
1: yeah we could try to spin it yeah like, you could uh, put a uh, little english on it the
0: knob real fast exactly exactly the Atari 2600 came out a few years after that. Atari 2600 was the first video game console that I remember after Pong. There might have been something else, but I mm-hmm. think that was the first one. Released in yeah. September of 1977. And I think that became super popular because of Pac-Man. Pac-Man was okay. a big cultural phenomenon in arcades. oh Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. arcades, convenience stores, really any place that you could fit a, a Pac-Man game and you wanted oh, to yeah. make like a lot of money with people pumping quarters into it.
1: Every movie
0: theater would try to jam some oh, in man. somewhere. Oh it man, was, it was nuts. And then when the Atari 2600 came out with a version of Pac-Man for it, it was not nearly as good as the arcade version. It was terrible, but yeah. everybody was psyched that they were able to play Pac-Man at home. It was like a, the amazing yes. thing. So it was a few years after it first came out that my brother and I got the Atari 2600. Atari made their own games, but then there were other companies that made games for it. And right, the best right. one was Activision. And they had some cool games. And one of them was called Pitfall. And Pitfall came out after Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it okay. and it exploited the popularity of that. Because mm. you were this, you know, this character, uh, I think his name was Pitfall Harry. And you would, and you would go... <laughs> okay. I mean, it was a real simple game, but for whatever reason, I, I can't even tell you how many hours I spent playing right. Pitfall. It was okay. just amazing. So what's your number two? Number two yeah. is... Super
1: toe field goal kicker. What the hell is that? (laughs) Really? You don't know what that is. You know,
0: I might. I just don't remember it by name. Explain. Okay.
1: Basically, it was a little plastic field goal kicker. It was a little plastic guy, Uh maybe, I don't know, eight, ten inches tall and you would smack the top of his head oh, and yeah. his foot
0: would kick i had that yes that was awesome it was crazy and awesome it, fun and you set up a, a goal post like you know yeah a few feet away or whatever right right and oh, just like man. oh and like a like the whole thing with the rock'em sock'em
1: robots i got it and i'm playing in my basement and i tap his head it came with a little like um tape measure that you could measure out uh-huh. to where you put the field goal and it's like oh okay 10 point ooh yeah and I'm hitting and it's great and then my cousin comes over and he brought his uh-huh. and I'm like you know got mine set up for <laughs> whatever 10 feet and he's like no nah, come on and he he puts his sets his up like 40 feet away the whole length of the um, you know the basement and he freaking runs, and he, like, smacks the crap out of the top of it, and the ball goes flying. And I'm like, you can hit it that hard? He's like, yeah, yeah. So I move mine, and we're, like, hitting these heads, you know, with our full, full fists and everything. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute and my father had a little workshop in the basement. So I go in the workshop and we're like taking out planks of wood. So now we're starting to bang the head of the thing with the planks of wood and the balls like, you know, flying all over the place and then it's like, all right, well, we're not getting enough air. So now let's like put it up on it up on the table. So there's a table in the basement and then and then for some reason I somehow we got hold of like an old wooden tennis racket and we're using that and fapping the heads of these things (laughs) well needless to say that didn't go on very long yeah something broke inside yeah so then we spent the rest of the afternoon opening them up and trying to figure out if we could glue together these little plastic pieces inside that didn't last but thankfully my birthday is like less than two weeks after christmas (laughs) So I asked for the soccer player one. Okay. Which was the exact same thing, except instead of kicking with his toe, he kicked with a sidestep. You didn't get much air on that. So then I <laughs> built a little so then I started building like little ramps for the guy to be on so that he was kind of facing up in the air. Mm-hmm. But then the balls would roll back. So then I'm like coming up with all these little devices to hold the ball in place. And it, it was a mess, but just had a lot of fun. And that's, again, a toy that we went around to other uh-huh. kids' houses. And it became not just shooting field goals. Right. It was trying to get into
0: things. So. Which which proves a point that to young boys, everything becomes a weapon or a projectile eventually. Absolutely. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, Definitely.
1: And also... It gets you outside and yes. doing stuff, but nothing takes the place of taking a toy and trying to make it better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So year two, what was that? Number two for me, this could have been number one for me, but when I get to number one, I'll explain why I chose that as number one. So number two for me is the Evil Knievel Stunt Cycle. Yes.
1: Yes. The one where you revved it up, right? Yes. Yes. Yes! That almost made my list, but I never owned it.
0: Oh, man. I'm so jealous. I'm this, so
1: envious of you. Let me tell, tell you something about it, please. This
0: toy was such, had such an impact on me yeah. that they were making them again a few years back. I saw them uh, advertise somewhere, and I'm like, I got to get this for my nephew. I bought it for him when he was, I want to say, around the same age I was when I had mine. And I'm like he's got to yeah. love this, right? Yeah. So I give it to him for Christmas. He opens it up and doesn't seem all that enthusiastic. You know, I was on the floor with that thing, yeah. And I was I I set him and my niece up, who's three right. years younger, on the floor. I set up a ramp. I had Evil Knievel jumping over them. I was like,
1: <laughs> yeah. totally into it. So then, did he get into it once he saw?
0: I don't know he, make if he ever fly? really. Kids grow up nowadays. It's such a shame. They grow up nowadays, and if it's not electronic, they don't give a shit. They wanna, they want it to have blips and and people killing each other or whatever. And I know I sound like an old geezer when I talk like that. But I feel like kids just don't have the same sort of enthusiasm for things where you have to use your imagination a little more. Or mm-hmm. if it's not, like I said, if it's not electronic, they don't care, you know? Yeah, no, I agree.
1: I, I mean, I've seen that and its I do feel they're missing out on something. I mean, yeah. how can you not be excited about this thing that, the faster you rev it, the,
0: the faster it's, it goes. Your,
1: it's your energy. You're exactly into this thing, and then it takes off and it can fly.
0: Yeah, it's a little thing. What's you crank, you crank it up real, as fast as you can, then you release it, and then it goes. Maybe it does a wheelie. You hit a ramp. It jumps over stuff. It crashes. It's amazing. Right. And evil Knievel was like the coolest dude in the world when we were kids. Oh, absolutely! He jumped over the fountains at Caesar's Palace. He jumped over sharks. He jumped over buses, buses, what? cars. Just mm-hmm. nuts. I mean, he was featured on ABC's Wide. World of Sports for crying out loud! Oh but yeah, Evil Knievel was the coolest. I mean, he he wore those those great white jumpsuits with the cape and the stars red, and white stripes, and blue, red, white and blue, all American baby. And he rode Harley Davidson motorcycles. He was a badass. You know, he broke uh, like absolute. forty bones in his lifetime. He's a nut. What was your number one toy? All right, my number one is Hot Wheels. Okay, okay.
1: Now I know not exciting. No, no, that's no, cool. But I gotta tell you, first of all, I played with Hot Wheels for at least. 10 11 years okay there's pictures of me as a toddler with the hot wheels in my mouth Mm. and as I grew the way I played with hot wheels grew and you know the circle of my circle of friends okay it all kind of grew and it would start off with okay we got the hot wheels and now you know we're toddlers so we're just pushing our hot wheels against each other and there's our race and we're getting older now we need the tracks so now we got the racetracks. I don't want to push it. I want to set it up high so it goes down on its own speed, down a <laughs> right. ramp. Okay, so we're doing that. And it's like, well, wait, but now we have to make it fly. So we'll make a ramp at the bottom. <laughs> then they started selling ramps. It's like, okay, yep. now we got to going down the ramp. And we're measuring how far it can go. And we don't have to push it. We don't have to, nothing. And it's not breaking. This is great. And then, all right. Well, and then they make the loop-de-loop. Holy shit. Now yeah. we got to loop the loop. So we push it down and get the loop loop. Then they started with the track with um, like the spinning things that you pushed it through. Uh-huh. And it, the car would go through these two spinning drums. Right. And it would push it out like a baseball
0: pitching machine. Uh-huh. And then I remember they had things that you loaded with rubber bands. Yes, that that you would launch the cars with. Mm -hmm. And then depending on how many rubber bands you use or the thickness of the rubber bands would determine how fast your car went. Yeah,
1: but then those became a problem because then of course we're trying to load it up with like a hundred rubber bands (laughs) and then the plastic parts to it Start bending and you know, it's little plastic tabs and things, so they're bending
0: and breaking off. Not to mention, if you tried to make the car go too fast, it would fly right off the track, it wouldn't work, or the track would come undone. It was, you know, it was always something,
1: yeah. The last time we had a huge, huge playing with the Hot Wheels, I lived in Wyckoff, um, like on the side of a hill, Mm -hmm. and between myself and my other friends, we probably had like a hundred lengths of track, and we just built like two. Ramps going up this hill. The street was a hill. And not only were we just first racing the cars side by side, then somebody had the great idea, oh, we should race our bikes down this hill against the cars (laughs) and see which is faster. (laughs) And then somebody thought, wait a minute, let me get my skateboard. And before you know it, there's like somebody laying down on the ground with a broken arm. Yeah. The Hot Wheels was something that just grew with me yeah. as I became older and more experimental and dangerous. <laughs> yeah, some
0: kids had train sets. Hot Wheels were where it was at, though. They were very cool. Hot Wheels <laughs> was it. So what was your one? My number one, and and maybe a little controversial because, you know, you may go, well, is that really a toy? Okay. But I, I I had to put it, number one for me was my first bicycle.
1: Oh.
0: And the reason that I chose this, because Evil Knievel stunt cycle was going to be number one for me. But then I thought about the first bicycle and what it meant to me when I was a kid mm-hmm. and even getting it on Christmas. You oh, know. yeah. And I have a funny story for when I got my first bicycle. When I say my first bicycle, not like a tricycle. Fine. You know, obviously, oh. when we're all toddlers, we have the tricycle. But this mm-hmm. is my first bike. My first bike looked like Evil Knievel's motorcycle. Oh, it was how white, great is that! Yeah, white with the stars and stripes. It had like a '76 uh, plate in the front underneath the handlebars, like a sure, like a real like motocross kind of vibe. Yeah. But I, <laughs> I remember Christmas morning that I got the bike. My brother and I both got a bike that year for Christmas, and my brother got his first. And you know, my father had put the bikes together, but he didn't wrap them because wrapping a bike is probably like a nightmare. No, I, so what he did yeah, was he had them so. in another room Like you know we had other presents We opened the other presents Oh there's one more thing mm-hmm. And every and every year when I watch A Christmas Story And the Ralphie BB you know, the BB gun And how the BB gun is like uh, behind the desk mm-hmm. separate. Hey, what's from that over there? Yeah what's that over there exactly Well my father did the same thing with the bikes cool. My uh, brother got his first He's like cool a bike man this is amazing And I was like he got a bike? I didn't get a bike? <laughs> And then my dad's like, well, well, why don't you look over there? And the front tire of the bike was kind of peeking out through like the cover or whatever. I'm like, you got him a full bike and I only got a tire? (laughs) Tire? What? You know. So he's like, no, there's a bike over there. So I go over there and I get the bike. Getting your first bike when you were a kid at least for me, was the greatest thing ever. I mean, I don't know if kids feel the same way about bikes now. Probably not because it's not electronic. Yeah, maybe. And then I remember I had training wheels. I had never ridden a bike before. I don't know how to ride a bike. So, you know, you're learning on training wheels. And then you go from two training wheels to one training wheel and you start to get your balance that way a little bit. Mm -hmm. And your dad's helping you. He's pushing you and all that. And then eventually you take off that second training wheel and it's like, go for it. And you try and figure it out. And mm-hmm. I have a very distinct memory of riding. There was a, a side street next to where I lived in Wayne called mm-hmm. Doremus Lane. Well, I could ride my bike on that street because there wasn't a lot of traffic. So you didn't have to worry about getting hit by a car. Okay, so good. But I remember riding my bike on that street and, you know, I was still new to no training wheels. And I remember wiping out oh. <laughs> on the side of the... Oh. You know, I didn't get hurt bad, but, you know, you get like a skin knee or whatever. But I remember as I wiped out, a car came <sighs> and and the people were like, are you okay? You know, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah I'm OK. <laughs> you know, but I just remember distinct oh. memory of falling and, and, you know, getting back on well, the bike, you know. Now, that's cool. And and when you said your first
1: bike, I went, oh, because that memory. Yeah. Yeah. For me, coming down the stairs mm-hmm. and at Christmas morning, seeing my dad was just sitting on the sofa <laughs> and right in front of him was this red bike. Nice. with. You those know, spider handlebars and the banana seat. Yep. And I was just like, Oh, I had no idea I'd be getting anything like that. Yeah. That pulls at the heartstrings.
0: And then when you're a kid, you know, back in the seventies and you have a bike, that opens That's up a freedom. Whole, oh my God. It opens up a whole <laughs> new world of possibilities for whole getting together with your friends. Exactly. Absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. And and that was the thing back then, and again we're gonna sound like old men when we talk like this, but <clears throat> you know, you would you would ride your bike with your friends and you would go on little adventures, you know, kind of like mm-hmm. the Goonies, you know?
1: Oh, absolutely. And sometimes there'd be little arguments mm-hmm. because we'd all be riding and then we got to like Gothel Road. Yes. And somebody would say,
0: oh, we better oh, turn back. we not supposed to go any further. Right. And
1: we're like, come on, you wussy, come on. And that's a
0: '70s word, wussy. <laughs> wussy. Yep. You know? you'd get together with your friends. You'd ride around. You go to places and have little adventures. And you knew that, you know, once it started to get a little dark, time to start that's heading right. home. And your parents. Yeah, we didn't were cold. have cell phones. We just yeah. we live by the sun. Yep. I just feel bad for kids. They just don't have the same experiences we had growing up. We had great times when we were kids. It's definitely a different world nowadays in so many ways, but hopefully there's still some kids out there that can appreciate the joy of riding bikes with their friends and exploring. Yeah.
1: Do we want to do any honorable mentions?
0: Absolutely. Light Bright? Okay creative and fun. Uh Star Wars PlayStation. Probably something that was shaped like the Death Star, and you use the Star Wars action figures from Kenner in it, right? Right. It's
1: basically a two-story... Plastic thing that mm-hmm. was very basic, kind of like you know the bridge of okay. the Death Star, and yeah, you just played with your figures. There was the little walkway mm-hmm. where Luke got his hand chopped off, and Darth spoiler Vader alert. said, "I'm your father," and all that. Stuff. Spoiler and alert! So, yeah, oh, spoiler! Yeah, how many years later? No kidding! Years later. <laughs>
0: Viewmaster. Oh yeah, I had Viewmasters.
1: Okay. And then I started getting into some games, you know, okay. like
0: Operation okay. and Kerplunk. Mhm. So that's where I am. Honorable mentions for me, Spirograph.
1: Oh yes.
0: Which was another Very creative cool. toy. Very and, cool, yeah. And uh I found out that that was one of Sue's favorite toys growing up. So I got her one of those for Christmas this year.
1: Because uh, she's
0: super into coloring now, right? Yeah, which is a big thing for a lot of adults that want to relax. It's very relaxing. Um, yeah, Kathy's so, got a few of those coloring books around. Yeah, exactly. And I felt like well, Spirograph will be like uh, the next best thing. Not only can you make your own artwork, then you can color that artwork. So right. And she's actually yeah. done that, so it's kind of mm-hmm. cool. And that w- that was a fun toy. I also had Hot Wheels as an honorable mention. So you, you okay. mentioned that as one of your top five. Another creative toy that I had on the honorable mention list: Tinker Toys
1: oh yeah okay Tinker toys
0: were very similar to lincoln logs except they were little round things that you would put sticks into and build yeah right and then another thing that's not really a toy but was a huge part of my childhood mm-hmm. baseball cards
1: oh baseball yeah. cards well you, huge, yes with um, that
0: awesome gum in it oh my god well <laughs> this has been fun this has been a good talk yeah this is a fun uh, subject yeah I think we came up with some good choices.
1: It was a wonderful exercise just going through and digging out.
0: I mean, some just memories that came back. I totally forgot about that field goal kicker thing that you had in your list. Well, your face just lit up. Oh, like, man, I had, like, I loved it. It was it was amazing. Are you kidding yeah. me? But the ones that I put in my top five were the ones that really had definitely had the most impact on me. Oh, no, me too. Well, thanks for joining us. We always want to hear from you. We want to know what your top five toys of childhood were. And I want to hear like a 90-year-old saying, I had a Sticking a rock. <laughs> I used to hit a hula hoop down the street with a stick. <laughs> a tire.
1: If I didn't wake up with erection, I didn't have anything to play with.
0: <laughs> and right now we take it to the dark place.
1: Rodney Dangerfield. Hey,
0: I'll tell you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so send your top five toys to rankingpodcast at yahoo.com or tweet at Jason Davis Voice. And remember, the Ranking Things podcast is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Again, please visit jasondavisvoice.com if you need a voiceover for a commercial, internet or corporate video, e-learning, phone message, and more. Again, my name is Jason Davis. And I'm Eric Wright. Thanks so much for joining us and for listening to the Ranking Things podcast. We will talk again soon. Later.